growing up, we sang all the time, and that was a part of our language. But I do think in today's world, singing is important. Another question I get asked about is, is why, how does, why, what is it about singing that impacts us so much? Well, again, I do believe that when uh, we combine good music with God's truth, that it does engage all of who we are. We don't just hear things, but it engages the artistic and the logical side of who you are. I think it helps us to remember God's truth. Think about this. When we want a little kid to learn something, what do we do? We put it to a song, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I believe that throughout time, what we sing, we remember. Um, there's another quote that I love, and, and I'm pretty sure Martin Luther um, said it, but I couldn't find it, so I'm not going to put it up here. Let's just call it anonymous. But it says this, that we um, don't know theology until we've sung it. And especially in those days when, uh, you know, the printings was, was not as, uh, as big as it was, as it is today. Especially then, singing scripture and singing theology was very important to passing down the faith. Another question I get asked a lot is how do we choose songs at Waterstone? Well, here's some guidelines we go by. Um, theologically sound. We're looking for songs that are theologically sound. We're looking for songs that are congregationally accessible. We want songs that we can sing together. And by the way, I heard you guys this morning singing. I was sitting down here and I heard, and I heard a couple of people for the first time. And I looked around, I'm like, wow, they sing really well. And I didn't even know that. I mean, it's just singing together. We want you to sing well. We're looking for aesthetically good music. We're looking for music that is good, that is not garbage. And, and so sometimes we, we look for those things. And there's a, there's a, a uh, sometimes there's a, there's a choice, not a choice, but it's on the spectrum of, of good, uh, interesting music and singability. Sometimes those things intersect a little bit and then we try hard to make that good. We're looking for songs that are culturally current to help us speak the language of today. And then we look for songs, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but uh, corporate in nature. So in other words, at Waterstone, we feel strongly in the we aspect of corporate worship. And we look for songs that are more we than me. Does that make sense? Not to say we don't do the I and me, the personal songs, but we try to, to move our worship a little bit more to the we and who God is in that. Um, another question I get asked a lot is why do we use lights and video screens and other visual elements? Well, uh, we are trying to use the tools of the day to create an aesthetically pleasing atmosphere. We want it to be comfortable when we walk in. We have done a lot of work over the past three years in our entire building and especially in our worship spaces to create warmth, to create an inviting space, um, and we want it to be aesthetically pleasing to that. Also, someone caught me last night and said, you know, I'm a very visual learner, and if, and if I'm not engaged visually with what's going on, um, I don't always hear what is being spoken to me. And so for some, the visual aspects really helps to engage in what God is doing. Um, all right. Here's a, a hard one. You guys going to hang with me for a minute? Here's the next question I hear a lot and we deal with a lot, and it's simply this. What volume is the right volume in worship? Notice I got really soft when I said that. <laughs> um, here's the truth. There are many uh, variables that go into volume in worship. 
Really, really it is. You know, it, it's a particular band, a particular style of music. Even things we don't even think of like a temperature and humidity outside affects how we hear uh, what we hear. Another thing that, that affects hearing is, is simply this. We all hear in different ways. And I, I'm telling you, every week, almost every week, someone will say, hey, it was a little too loud today. And someone else will say, hey, it was really too soft today. I'm not kidding. I wish, I wish, I, it would be so much easier if all I heard was one side. Then we could make the changes. But I hear both sides. And, and let me tell you what we're trying to do. You see, we believe here, and this is a conversation all the time. And by the way, we are constantly um, evaluating the, the loudness of the room. We have um, digital readers. We are constantly tracking and tr- seeing where we are. Um, it doesn't always translate that way because sometimes what we see is, it, it, you can see the same thing two weeks in a row and it sounds very different. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. But here's what we're trying to do. We believe strongly that there's somewhere in here that the right volume equals the right energy level in the room. We really do. Um, we feel like if the volume's too low, it, it lowers the energy level. It's hard to engage in that. And obviously, if it's too high, it's painful and it's hard to engage. And so we, we want to create that atmosphere that's as easy as possible to engage with who God is, what God is doing. And, and volume has something to do with that. And it's a sweet spot that we're trying to find. And so I want you to know, I do, I really do appreciate the feedback when it comes to volume. But understand this, um, we're working really hard and having a, a conversations every week to make it sound um, good in the worship services. There's another question that I get. And, and I, I, I wrote this question this way, but I don't get asked this question exactly, but why do we strive for excellence? We get to ask all the time is, is you know, we do, we do things really good. Why do you do that? Sometimes it feels distracting. I, I'll tell you this. Well, the subject of excellence is a very uh, tough subject in the church because um, sometimes we say excellence and people hear perfectionism. And that's not ever what the church is about. We're not perfect people and we never do things perfectly. And that's not what it's about. But we do believe that first of all, God calls us to excellence to do the best we can. My, my definition of this, do the best we can with what God has given us is excellence. And we try hard to do, uh, honor God with that excellence. But also, I think the number one reason for doing things well in a worship service is to remove the distractions. And that's what we're trying to do. We want our technical uh, pieces to be at a high enough level so that you don't notice what's going on, so that you're not distracted. We want the music to be at a high enough level so you're not distracted by things that don't sound good and you're free to worship God. We want the preaching to be at a level so that you can follow what's going on and not be distracted and you can hear. You see my point there? It's to remove distractions. That's why excellence is important. There's other parts of our liturgy that uh, are highly valued at Waterstone. Um, uh, next one is it's obvious, but it's so important at Waterstone, and it's something that we're known for in the community, and that's the preaching at Waterstone. And I would say this, Larry and Nick do a, a fabulous job of leading our preaching ministry and leading our preaching team. And, and um, a couple of highlights to that if, if, if you're new here about uh, preaching, because we do get questions about why we do what we do, but, but we feel like um, that good preaching, God calls us to be primarily an, an expository preaching church. And what that simply means is this. Expository means we're exposing the text that we are... Um, 
uh, we want to preach the original intent of the text as it was preached to the, to the original uh, audience and make that relevant to today. And that's what we try to do in our service. So if you wonder how we do that, we're always, not always, but most of the time we are moving through a book of the Bible to preach its original intent. And that's what we feel God's called us to. We do some other things at times, like this worship series would be a more topical series. And it's not that, it's just what we feel strongly about. The other part about of our preaching that is important is everything we preach, everything we do is through this kingdom-minded um, idea. And if you don't know what we mean by kingdom-minded, I'm not going to go into it a lot today, but what I'll tell you is this, is Nick preached a, a great sermon um, a couple of years ago on uh, what it means to be a kingdom-oriented church. And I think it was January of 2014. And so if you'd like to know more about that piece, go back to our website and, and take a look at that. Some other uh, pieces of our liturgy. We do engage in, in more liturgical, oh, sorry, so more liturgical elements, the sacraments, the baptism in our service, the communion in our service, the public prayer in our service, uh, even public reading of scripture. That's a regular part of what we do. And then also we have some special elements from time to time. And, and all those special elements are designed and moved uh, to point us to uh, the topic, the point of the day, what we feel like God wants to say. That's where creativity comes into our service. And I'll tell you this, at Waterstone, we believe uh, creativity is purposeful. Uh, we don't do creativity just for creativity's sake. It's purposeful to uh, bring us together in a point. You guys with me here? You guys getting this? Um, one uh, final thing that I think is a highlight of Waterstone, and, and we worded it this way. It's a community or corporate aspect of worship. When we gather together, we, f we believe that yes, we are gathered with a group from Waterstone, but we are also gathered with believers from all over the world. That we are one body worshiping Jesus. And even uh, the saints from all of time that have gone on before us that worship together. We are a community of people. And we believe in the corporate service that God speaks primarily to us as a corporate body. Yes, yes, God speaks to us individually. I'm not discounting that at all. But we want to push for the we side. And I've already said this about the music, but it's true in everything we do that it's a we experience more than it is a me experience at Waterstone. You guys with me? Well, there's another part from Psalm 105 and I want to push us to now. Um, and it simply says this, worship demands a response. So in other words, we don't do any of this to entertain. We don't do any of this to make you feel good. Everything that we plan and do and, and together as a body in, in corporate worship leads us to responding to who God is. Let's go back to the passage real quick. Psalm 105. This is the very end of the passage. So we've, we started at the beginning. We went through how God is the center of everything. How everyone, the nations are watching Israel worship. We went through the whole litany of, of what God has done throughout the years to protect and love his people. And now we come to the end of Psalm 105 and the writer is talking about being a responsive people. It says this, he brought his people out with rejoicing. His chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations and they fell heir to what others had toiled for that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. And if you notice here, there's a response that comes from realizing all that God has done. It's joy. 
This joy of thankfulness. God, you protect us for so many years. But the ultimate response in this passage is what? The very end, verse 45. That they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. The response that worship evokes is obedience. It's obedience. I believe this wholeheartedly, Waterstone. We can't come together and have an encounter with the one true living God. The God who has saved us. The God who has protected us. We can't come over and over and over and leave in disobedience. You know, at Waterstone, we believe strongly in preaching truth. And, and we would say, you know, if, if X is true from Scripture, and we do a good job of pre- presenting X to you from Scripture in, in an intelligible way, then we should all walk away and do X because that's what God says. But that's not how it happens. Folks, if the one true living God is encountering us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis at Waterstone, how can we do anything other than be obedient and love him with all of our heart? Let me say it this way. If I'm drowning in the middle of a lake and someone swims out to me and saves me and drags me back to the shore, but in the process they die, my response to that event is not one of, well, you know, God, that was a great thing that guy did. My response to that event is, it changes everything about me. Everything I do and say and who I am is changed through the lens of that event. Now, here's the deal. That is not a theoretical event in my life. Back to Georgia. Small town. It's one of those towns where um, you, the guys you play t-ball with or the guys you play high school baseball with, you understand what I mean? I mean, it's that kind of town. We knew each other. And there was a guy who played ball with my brother and I. His name was Darren. And uh, after he graduated, Darren became uh, just a, a pillar in the community, especially the baseball community. He took teams all over the country, great baseball teams, young guys. And he was a great coach, great guy. Uh, by all accounts, he loved Jesus. He took his team, ironically enough, back to uh, the Panama City Beach, Florida. And the team was hanging out on the beach, all the families. And Darren uh, looks up and he sees two of, his, two of his kids too far away. And so he doesn't say anything. He just kind of swims out there to help them. When he gets out there, he realizes that those two little guys are being pulled by a rip current and so Darren realizes they're in trouble and he works hard and gets those guys safely to shore but Darren didn't make it here's what I didn't tell you one of those kids in the water was Darren's son so Darren's son has grown up for the past eight years knowing that his dad sacrificed his life so that he can live. Through the magic of Facebook, I've been able to watch a little bit this guy, this Darren's son, grow up, become a man. And my point to you this morning is simply this. For Darren's son, it's not that he's made every perfect choice. 
It's not that he's always been completely obedient in his life. It's simply this, that everything in that kid's life is colored by the fact that his dad gave his life for him. And that's who we are as Christians. That's who we are as followers of Christ. And everything in our life has to be colored by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross so that we can live and have life. And that's why we're obedient to who God is. It's not because we feel like it. It's not because it gives us good feelings. It's because of his sacrifice for us. How can we respond with anything other than love and surrender and obedience? Today as we close Waterstone, I've asked CJ and uh, to come lead a, a song. The song we're going to sing together is the old hymn, I Surrender All. And what I'm asking you today is first of all, if you're here and you've never followed Christ fully, surrendered your whole life to Him, we want to talk to you about that. We want to help you walk down that road and there'll be people here that can talk to you. And secondly is this, the rest of us who are followers of Christ, where are we on the surrender scale? Does worship mean anything? Is worship just an act of consumerism? Or does worshiping a God remind us of his sacrifice so that we can live, so that we can follow him fully? Would you please stand? I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing together. And would you think, would you evaluate, would you engage with who God is today. Father, we come to you and we are thankful of your sacrifice for us. We are thankful that you don't leave us where we are. And God, I know my own heart. God, I want to obey. And I sometimes don't. And God, I know in those times you love reaches down and picks me up. But God, would you help us to be a surrendered church today? Help us to be a people who are surrendered to your will and your plan. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, to Jesus I surrender to him I
Waterstone. Thanks for hanging in there.